You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Thank you for tuning in to The Oliver Manley Show. I am your host, Oliver Manley's. And if this is your first time here, this is where we have conversations with world-class performers to discover how they show up in the face of adversity. We talk to entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches, speakers, and authors, all in an effort to learn what was their mindset, what tools did they use, what questions did they ask themselves when all hell was breaking loose, and most importantly, how did they break through? What's exciting to me about this conversation is that we get to see how human the people we look up to are. They face struggles, challenges, and breakdowns like everyone else. And what you'll see is that if it's possible for them to create a breakthrough out of their breakdowns, it's also possible for you and me too. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. You can also go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. There you will get access to all the different ways you can listen to the show, as well as the full episode list and show notes from each episode. If you've been tuning into the show up until now and have been getting value from it, please help support the show. You can do this by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes and even writing us a review. Guys, every review counts right now to help us gain more visibility, new listeners, and attract even more powerful guests. Today, I'm excited to have with me the one and only Erwin Zito on the show. He is the co-founder and president of Hamilton Basket Brigades. He's an award-winning realtor with his team, Titan Realty Investment Group. He has a weekly podcast called The Truth About Real Estate Investing, which I have actually had the honor of being a two-time guest on and highly, highly recommend. And I won't say too much more because I do share his bio in the show, but what I will say is that I've known Erwin for years. He's been a friend of mine for a very long time, and from the time I was in the real estate world, even up until now, I've seen him consistently grow and expand his capacity to serve, serve his community as a philanthropist, an entrepreneur, and a business owner. He is someone I truly look up to, I learn from all the time, and I'm truly grateful to have him as a friend. And every once in a while, I let him kick my ass at CrossFit. We talk about that in the episode, actually. So today, we talk about so many different things. We talk about investing in real estate, how it's impacted his life, freed up his time to be with his family, hire a nanny. We talk about his interests like CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu, what those things have contributed to his life, how a short sabbatical to test out full-time real estate Uh, Real estate sales was a true game changer for him. We talk about how young he was when he became mortgage-free and how he accomplished that. We talk about why he started his not-for-profit Hamilton Basket Brigade. And he even goes into what he foresees for the Ontario real estate investing market. We talk about so many different things and he's a wealth of knowledge and is super generous with his time, his insights and his perspectives. And if there's one podcast that you are looking to gain a huge ROI on, if you just take one action from what Erwin says today, this is the one with a huge ROI. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm super excited to share with you my conversation with Erwin Zito. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm here with Erwin Zito. If you don't know Erwin, Erwin is a philanthropist, real estate investor, entrepreneur, podcast host, and multiple award-winning real estate sales professional. 
He is the co-founder and president of HamiltonBasketBrigade.com, where he brings together the generosity and massive hearts of his community to provide poverty relief in Hamilton. Together, they hand-deliver 2,000-plus holiday dinners each year to less fortunate families at Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Erwin is also a real estate investment business owner and teacher specializing in the Hamilton to Niagara region for basement suiting, student rentals, rent-to-own, buy-and-hold, land development, bridge financing, and renovate and hold strategies. He's won multiple awards for Realtor of the Year for Ontario by the Real Estate Investment Network, Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine. The awards list goes on and on. He is the founder of the Halton Real Estate Investors Group, where he brings together like-minded individuals each month to learn, network, and support each other, build long-term wealth in real estate. He is also, you're a busy boy, man. He is also founder uh, and owner of the Titan Realty Investment Group, a team of veteran real estate investors who coach investors from the Toronto area to achieve financial freedom. Erwin shares a ton of value as a host of The Truth About Real Estate Investing, which is featured as new and noteworthy on Apple Podcasts. When Erwin's not working, he lives a very active lifestyle jam-packed with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, CrossFit, doing obstacle races, walking on the edge of the CN Tower, and running around with his two kids. Erwin, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. That was a really long intro. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel to hear that back at you? It's funny. It's awkward. I was, it's not the same, but I was related back to, uh, uh, Target Woods. He's teeing off with, uh, with Lefty. What's Lefty's real name? Phil Mickelson? Phil Mickelson. And Phil Mc, and they're reading off all of Tiger Woods' oh, tournament wins and like Phil Mickelson chimes in like, yeah, yeah, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably tough. Well, I mean, you've been working hard for many, many years at this. And I mean, it just, it accumulates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's always, it's always been uh, my drive to be the best at what it is we do. Uh, I think you've heard it before. People say if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. So if it's worth doing right, it's pr- worth doing the best you can do it. Mm-hmm. I, I want I want us to kind of go into what your life looks like right now because I find it's just so important for perspective. Like what is possible in terms of life? I think when we get an idea of what someone's day to day looks like mm-hmm. it all kind of creates an opening for us we're like oh wow i can like I, if he can do that i can do that so i'd love for you to just give us a quick snapshot uh, my wife my life has a, a balance of play and work uh as you mentioned i i started doing jiu-jitsu about two years ago and i do that i practice that two three times a week and i do crossfit twice a week uh, so that's my play Along with uh, other play stuff, like hanging out with cool people like you, we had the we had a very lengthy lunch today, and we had a workout before that. So it's a well deserved uh, lunch. Yeah, well deserved lunch, and it's a good lunch and great conversation, great company, right? So that's a large part of my life, as well, along with uh, my work that I do. Uh, and the fruits of our work are, you know, I own currently nine properties, currently looking at buying a tenth right now. I'm going to look to rezone the future and hopefully build pro- more property on it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I live quite comfortably. Uh, again, thanks to the work that I've done early in terms of building a business and building a por- real estate portfolio. Um, and, uh, yeah, I live a pretty good life. Uh, you asked me earlier about if I get to spend a lot of time with my kids, and I do. I spend I get to spend more time with my kids than almost any dad I know. There are a handful of dads who get to spend more time than I do. Uh, but... Uh, I work from home, you know, I get out of bed, 
I help take care of my kids. Some days I may make them breakfast. Other days my wife does. Uh, you know, I'll get them ready for school. I may drop them off at school. I may have lunch with them when they come home from, from daycare. Uh, I have dinner with them almost every night unless I have something planned, either work or charity related. It keeps me out of the house or jujitsu that's keeping me out of the house. Uh, and I get to put them to bed almost every night. So probably at least four or five nights a week I get to, I get to put my kids to bed. Read them stories, bathe them, help get them ready. My wife does a lot of work too, but I, I at least get to be there for it. I think that's, I mean, to add that on top of like the huge list of projects and businesses and charities like that you, that you have going on, to know that you're somebody who has, like, you have time mm-hmm. with the people that you love, that mm-hmm. you care about, mm-hmm. for your health. Um, I think for so many people, they, they look at high performers like you and they, they almost imagine it in a way of, wow, that's like, I'm, I'm going to burn myself out. Like I'm going to be working 80 hours a week. And yet like here we are. And, it's, and it sounds like from the way that you built uh, your business and built your life over the years, it's been around creating as much freedom and time uh, for mm-hmm. yourself and for your family. Mm-hmm. Doing it early, investing heavily early, investing like 80 hours. Like that was pretty normal when I was trying to get this business off the ground between working a nine to five, well, working a nine to six job. When I used to work downtown for IBM and and then uh, and then the real work would happen outside of, outside of that time in order to build the portfolio, get this uh, investment business off the ground. So I would love for you to share with us, I guess maybe two or three defining moments that have led up to this amazing life that you get to live. I mean, we, we met up at 11.30. We did a crazy, ridiculous workout <laughs> with other people in your brokerage. And then we had this long lunch. And then we're now we're doing this interview. Most people can't even imagine. It's like, wow, like how the hell, like that many hours, like to just, you know, to kind of play and to like hang out with people that you enjoy mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love for you to, to go back in time. Back in time. It was around when I was around 25. So I, I went to, I did the school thing just like most parents teach you to do. Uh did okay in high school. I did okay in university. Uh, I did it well enough to get accepted into a pretty good program at the Ivy School of Business at Western Ontario. Uh, and then around the age of 25 is actually my girlfriend at the time, her father, in law, her father, so my father-in-law, gave me this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And reading that just kind of changed my whole paradigm that you don't get rich working a job. You make more money at the job, you, make more, you pay more tax. You invest in real estate or businesses, the the government actually encourages you to. If you look at how taxes are structured around real estate and owning businesses, you are tax incentivized to to do such things. So that was the path I started going down. And also, as explained to my now 18-year-old cousin, I had that kind of mind switch where when you're working a job, when you work a job, your value goes towards the company, goes towards the owner, goes towards the shareholders, whatever. Um, so my my thoughts process change where I can I can create value and keep that value for myself. I can create value and profit more from it if I was working in my own business. So it's like your I mean the experience of you're building somebody else's yeah. wealth, yeah. like you're building somebody else's mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. It's like being a tenant versus a homeowner. Yeah. <laughs> would you rather pay down your own bill, your own mortgage, or would you rather be a tenant? And then to take that further, you know, 
have more property, have more tenants paying down your mortgages and your bills and paying you cash flow. So it sounds like a light switched yeah. on during that moment. What happened next? Uh, what happened next? Just kept pushing, you know. Uh, I'm lucky enough to come from a business background versus many people don't in this real estate industry. So just applying best world practices from business that we learned in school to the business of real estate. And, you know, we've done, we done all right with it. And then joining Rockstar was massive. Joining Real Estate Investment Network was massive to learn that this can all be systemized. Nothing that we do is, is creative in any, in any means, really. Uh, it's all been done before. Can we just back, like backtrack with the, the the job that you had? Like, tell us about the transition in between. Was that did that feel like a milestone? Was that something that was really easy for you to? Uh, I was lucky in that I worked there long enough that I earned a sabbatical, where I was able to take four months, four weeks off. Sorry, four weeks off, uh, paid, in order to give this business a run, see if I could do it on my own, uh, both investing and uh, and I had my real estate license at the time to see if, uh, if I enjoyed it, if I could make a business out of it. And when I came back from my, after, after my sabbatical came back and said, uh, I'm resigning. Wow. So you knew within four weeks, like you, you had done enough or seen enough. Uh, it was a struggle before that, before the sabbatical, it was like the 80 and hundred hour weeks where you're trying to run, trying to juggle the two things. And it came to the point where I realized it cost me money to be at the job. How, how did you calculate that? Was there, did you do math on that? Yeah, or? I was just making more money outside of, outside of work versus being at work. Right. So then the time spent commuting and being in that desk cost me money. I think that's the thing that most people don't add up. They're just like, okay, well, this is how much I'm at the job. This mm -hmm. is how much they pay me. Mm -hmm. They don't include, okay, if I'm thinking about it while I'm at home or if it takes me an hour and a half to commute there mm -hmm. and an hour and a half to come back, like that factors into what your hourly rate is. Right, right. Yeah, uh, people forget that about hourly rate. Uh, good example is when people get a raise or a promotion, often they have to work more, they're more responsible for more, so their hourly rate actually may stay the same. Or go down, maybe. Potentially go down. Potentially go down. Potentially go down. Like the, uh, a, good, a good example was at a school, I had a lot of friends enter the, consul the consulting world or the uh, investment banking world. So they would make like six figures, but they were working 80 to 100 hour weeks. So how happy so were the, they? So what's the math on that? Like what does that end up being? It was pretty close to minimum wage. <laughs> like, like Tim Hortons is better. Uh, <laughs> you may be happier actually. You might be happier at Tim Hortons. Yeah. So, so that, uh, that path wasn't available to me because I actually graduated right after 9-11. Um, uh, so the economy wasn't so great. But uh, anyways, I forget where I was going. Well, yeah, I actually find a lot of people have difficulty coming up with expected value and understanding your hourly rate. Um, and so like actually a friend of mine, she got promoted, she got promoted. She was offered a promotion. So more, more, more employees, but the expectancy to work more. And so she turned it down. Like, why should I work more? Same hourly rate. I'm just going to end up paying more tax. So why would I do it? Less freedom too. Less freedom too. Yeah, you're having to work more. So yeah, that's 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 probably a pretty good tip is for anyone to figure out what your what your hourly rate is. Yeah, I remember I I, I did that and I was looking at um, how much I was making if I put in the if I actually included all of the hours in between. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is in my real estate business, and I'm just like, wow, I am not mm -hmm. happy with this. I think mm -hmm. it ended up being like maybe uh, forty or fifty dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. 
which is I'm just like, okay, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then <clears throat> I'm like, what can I do to turn that into 3x, mm-hmm. to 4x? Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden your brain starts working in, in different ways yeah. to, to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a good example is my uncle, actually my wife's uncle, but he's my uncle too. Yeah. Uh, he's a master electrician. A master's electrician billed out 40 50 $60 an hour, which is pretty good money, right? Uh, but then he realized he was selling his time for money. So what he actually did was he got into commercial HVAC, so heating, ventilation, air conditioning. And when you sell an air conditioner or a furnace, you can make uh, just for selling the product plus installation. You can charge. You can you're making somewhere around one to three thousand dollars on just selling the product. So you can make that kind of that kind of money mm-hmm. in a few hours versus charging forty, fifty, sixty dollars an hour. I think that these are things where it's just like you have to stop and think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you're doing like those 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you don't really have the space to, to even think of doing that math. But mm-hmm. I would love to know, did you hit the ground running? Like when you, when you quit the job, like, like was the business like full on? No, it wasn't full on. I think what, it did what like the challenges. I think it did like six deals in my first six months. <laughs> like a deal a month. Yeah. Which isn't great. Right. <laughs> By any standards, not award-winning standards by any means. Did you have a buffer? Because I know a lot of people think about, okay, I need to have maybe three or six months of runway, of yeah. savings. Yeah. Uh, we had very little debt because we were just frugal people. I was actually mortgage-free at the age of 30 because of our investing was good. We bought we bought early, bought cheap, uh, just frugal people. Yeah. So I was, uh, our my mortgage was paid off. We still had mortgages because of investment property. Uh, and my wife worked. Uh, and it was just the two of us, so we didn't have a whole lot of bills to pay. Yeah. And our properties took care of themselves, basically. And yeah, so, yeah, I, I had that buffer. So what happened after the, the one deal a month? Did you stop and look? Like, okay, now now what's my hourly rates? And, like, what do I need to do? How did you face that? Yeah, just, I knew we could grow it. Uh, through being a RAIN member, uh, I was attracting business that way. Uh, just being, you know, how it all started was people knew I was doing business and uh, like the real estate industry, especially agents, you don't really know who to trust for a good reason. People don't know who to trust. And for the people who don't know, Rain is the real estate investment mm-hmm. network, which is where, which is how we met. Yeah, how we met. Like so many, like so many years ago. You were like 20. We were young boys. <laughs> yeah, we were not who we are today. We've, no. we've grown a lot. So it played a huge role. And because I remember when I, I think... Before I even had met you, I already knew you because you must have been doing something right. Like with your, with your jersey on, like the Mr. Yeah. Hamilton, like you were. Yeah, the branding, yeah. Yeah, yeah just trying to start up conversations. I, I, wore, I wore the jersey, even though I wasn't comfortable, like super comfortable talking about the subject of real, real estate investing in, in Hamilton, even though I own property. But I the properties that we owned were in Burlington and Waterdown. Mm-hmm. Waterdown just being like the affluent area of Hamilton. It's not even Hamilton City proper, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, just doesn't then just working hard to under, to learn the city better uh, because I had to. Like we started investing in Burlington, got too expensive. Started investing in Waterdown, got too expensive. <laughs> had to I continue moving over. west, right? Had to know Hamilton because we had to get, we had to go there for affordability reasons and to be able to cash flow. And then Hamilton got too expensive and went to St. Catharines. <laughs> so I own property in St. Catharines. I, have, I own, used to own property in Brantford for the same reason. Just looking for affordability and cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
was there a moment where you felt like, okay, now we're breaking through here? Like in terms of like uh, people coming in to, to no. work with you as a realtor, was there? I've never a felt like that. No? I've never felt like you that. Still even know? today, <laughs> even having even having collected four awards. I feel like we haven't figured it out. <laughs> uh, actually, from time to time, I'm thinking, okay, I don't have to worry about where the next deal is coming from. <laughs> we naturally have this many people coming to approaching us to do business with us. So, uh, so that may be the truth, but my, my be the way I operate is still, we can do better. So we have, we still have lots of investing to do in terms of our marketing, in terms of learning, in terms of, uh, like we're, the book is still hasn't been written yet, so that's in progress to be to further improve our lead generation. So you're like, okay, so I love this because it sounds like you're you're speaking like a, a man who's just getting started. That's how I feel. And, and at the same time, it's like so. Here's the question that that I want to ask: Where you are right now, mm-hmm. did you do you feel the way that you expected that you would feel? At this point, because now you have a team, you're four-time award winner. Like you guys are, like by all standards, you know. To Irwin eight years ago, he'd be like, "What the hell? The hell? How did I do that?" Yeah, right. But does it feel that way? No, no. When we when we collect an award, twenty-four hours later, we're done celebrating. We gotta work. We gotta work on the next one. Yeah. And then and then it's also back to ground zero. We are nothing. Everyone's coming after us again. They know what we've done because my my business is an open book. It's not that hard to replicate. So my thinking is everyone's coming after us at all time. Wow. Yeah. yeah Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink takes it even further. You've heard, <laughs> you've heard him say it, right? Yeah, he's a warrior. Yeah. Oh, but still, he's in, lives in California. I heard him. I heard him say, "I wake up every morning." thinking the enemy is training to get better. That's right. And to kill me. That's right. <laughs> so I must work equally hard. My coach told me that he put a picture of George Bush in his in like on his wall in his office. And people would ask him like, "Why'd you do that?" He's like, "Cuz if he's getting up, you know, taking care of business, I got to I got to get up." Like, I don't know if it was like a good thing or a negative thing or, you know, yeah. but but he was looking at it as like, you know, there's there's good people, and there's bad people waking up really really early, yeah, yeah. like trying to beat me or trying yeah. to, you know, trying to kill me. Yeah. It's like, "I I got to do the same thing." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually had people say it too. Yeah. They're like they're coming after what we're doing. Well, I think it's really refreshing because I think for so many of us we're like, okay, when I get there, then I'll be complete. Then I'll be satisfied. Yeah. But it sounds like you're there based, you know, comp- from Irwin eight years ago What's standards, there? right? <laughs> but then even though now that you are you are here, you're just like yeah. wow, like you know, it's just twenty four hours of celebration, but it's just like okay. The, the show must the show must go on. I think mm-hmm. some people need to kind of get that in their head mm-hmm. and realize that you might feel exactly the same way, mm-hmm. like as satisfied as unsatisfied as you are right now. It might mm-hmm. be the same thing when you achieve the so-called goal right. or the vision. Like we may celebrate for a week, yeah, but just because of timing, right? We didn't know we we're gonna win, so we had to plan celebrations. But in my mind, uh, twenty-four hours later, it's you are nothing. Yeah. Where are you? Who cares? Every day. It's as if the award never happened. Oh, like I'll use the award for marketing purposes. Um, But it's as if it never happened. Go around the next one. That is awesome. So tell us about um, the the progression towards getting to the point where you're building your team. That was just natural. Uh, 
I was too busy. That's and uh, James James Mags. I don't know how the discussion came about, but he was talking about opening a property management business. I was like, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> come come work with me instead. You'll make money and you'll be a lot happier. So he he didn't completely listen to me. He did a little bit of both, mm-hmm. and he found his path. Which we just, who we just worked out with. Yeah, who we just worked out with. Yeah, he's a killer. And he right? killed the assault bikes. Oh my god! Wasn't it? Wasn't it like sickening? <laughs> it was scary because he was a whole round in front of all of us, like oh. actually all of us. <laughs> so, um, can you tell? Was there any point where you had like a, a breakdown or a burnout where you just like mm. so the thing worked? So before we move on, I want to talk about James and, sure. and my assistant as well. I don't know if this is normal. This is how I thought about it. So James was like, you know, James, I have all this work that needs to be done. I have all these clients that need to be serviced. Can I need you to quit your job? I didn't say it like that. <laughs> but there's all this work that needs to be done. <laughs> and But to do that, not in a selfish way, like this is legit. I'm way too busy. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to run this whole business and be an agent, right? Way too hard. And I was doing 30 deals like pretty easily. But to have everything else going on the, on the go, like in terms of building the business, working on the business versus working in the business. Uh, but then also, uh, I didn't talk about it with anyone, but my, my mind, my assistant and James, the way I felt and how I internalized it was I'm responsible for them being able to put food on their tables. Right. Yeah. Their lives and the lives of the people that depend on them mm-hmm. count on you now. Yes. Well, that's like a lot to carry. Of course it is. How old were you? This is like five years ago. Right? Oh, no, no, no. This goes back even further. Because even like in my After Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I read Maximum Achievement by Brian Tracy. And his exercise is kind of mind-blowing if you're willing to go down that path. Because he asked the question, like, what are you capable of if you just drop all the things that you think you're not capable of? Right? What kind of, what can you do? What are you capable of? So yeah, I can. I'm I'm okay. IQ. I did okay in school. I could probably do okay. I can probably make a couple million with the business. And then what would I do with it? Well, you see what I done with it. Started a charity. Plan is to grow it significantly. Plan is to grow it to like a hundred thousand dollar budget a year, right? Just even my own money. Just my own money, right? Is what what I want it to be self funded as. Uh, and then, and this is okay. So that's kind of mixing the mixing the timing up. But yeah, let's yeah, just run we'll, with we'll that. get to that part too. We'll run with run with a run with a hundred thousand dollar budget for for a charity that has like no overhead, right? Yeah, it can do it can do a lot. And then think of all the people that we've helped. Like I've met these people who we've helped. I've met some of them. Yeah, you've Deli- met some delivering some yeah. baskets. Yeah. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, we'll wait to the next phase. It's gonna be yeah. Ex- explain uh, quickly what Ham- Hamilton Basket Brigade does. Uh, Basket Brigade, it's. it's no different than Tony Robbins Basket Brigade is how it started. Uh, I I want to do more volunteering. I did it so I, about seven or eight years ago. I did it in the Toronto group for about three Thanksgivings. And then, I said, and then I thought we need to bring it to, I had to do a delivery in like East Toronto. I'm like, I don't want to do East Toronto deliveries. <laughs> like Hamilton needs plenty like of help. Winter or like, yeah. It was Thanksgiving, so it wasn't that bad okay. weather. But still like traffic, Toronto, not so great. Uh, so we thought, hey, let's be a little selfish. Let's not drive so far. Let's just do it in Hamilton. And uh, my friend Roger and I, let's, we said, let's do three families each. You know, walk before you crawl, crawl before you walk, whatever. Walk before you run. And we both do all right. So we also said, 
I said, we're not going to say no to anybody. If they need it, we're not going to say no to them. So Roger went to his school principal, his kid's school principal, and told them what we're we're up to. We wanted six families, and and the principal gave us 16. Because we said we weren't going to say no to anybody. Wow. <laughs> so then so then we asked for help. Uh, my friend Maria, James Maggs, um, uh, Matt Green, uh, other people. Uh, the school administrator. That, uh, so Nancy Nicosia and then her friend, and then her friend Elizabeth. And yeah, and then it just, uh, that, that was Christmas 2014. Six, three families each grew to 16. And then by within a week, it was 32. So we got to stop it there. Oh my God. We'll do 32. And then that was Thanksgiving. That was Christmas 2014. So then the Easter after we did uh, 75. And then we did 150. And then it just keeps growing. It's very, very inspiring. And I remember, you know, when me and Janet went to the last one and, you know, the, the whole gymnasium filled, filled with people, filled with food, yeah. and very organized, like so systematic, like orchestrated mm-hmm. beautifully. Mm-hmm. And it was just like in and out, in and out, in and yeah. out. And, and everyone kind of just was, they knew what they were doing. Like yeah. hop in your car, go make the deliveries. It didn't take, I mean, some some people weren't home, like for, for in my case. So I had to like have an extra trip. But besides yeah. that, it was just like it's so beautifully the next put level. together. Um, so I want us to go back to the, the, the responsibility. Yeah. So what if I, what if I'm not successful? So what if the charity doesn't happen? The charity, you have James, you have your assistants, you yeah. have now these contributions that you're making to the Those kid. are individuals though. I'm more worried about the charity because, because those people have nothing. We're, we're, we're providing for people who have like nothing, mm-hmm. especially the kids who have nothing and they have nothing to do with it. They didn't deserve this. They're born into it, so that just that drives me bonkers. So then, so then the responsibility is: if I'm not successful, these things don't happen. And I and to put it simply, Spider-Man said it really well. I'm a big fan of superheroes. I used to be a bigger fan of DC, but the Marvel Universe movies are a lot better. Uh, what does Spider-Man say? He said, "If bad things happen, and you can do something about it, but you don't, that's your fault." So bad things happen in this world that these kids can't afford whatever and I can do something about it and I don't. That's my fault. Isn't it? Right? That is powerful. But we all have a responsibility to this world. Like We're all supposed to be contributing to the society, preferably the best that you can. Like First off, don't be poor. Best that you can. Start there. <laughs> Start there. Take care of your family. Take care of your kids. Don't be poor. Uh, and then, yeah, keep leveling up and then give back. Oh my God. Yeah, so, I mean, it's this it's this growing capacity to take on more and more responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that there's something you can do about it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, very, it's visible, it's tangible yeah. of a, the kind of difference that you could actually make. Yeah. Think if you were Superman and you just stood back and didn't do anything to help people. Yeah. Call you an asshole. <laughs> right? It's a waste of potential, waste of gift. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Um, Aren't you an asshole? Yeah. You're Superman. You don't do anything? To me, it's easy. I think a lot of people listening to this um, need to just really stop and just check in and realize that there's a difference that they can make. Yeah that they have a gift, that they have a responsibility that they can take on, where even if it impacts one person yeah. or five people or, yeah. ten, or, or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. 
we all have the capacity to do it. Yeah, we are. We do. And I believe talk is cheap. Mm-hmm. Right? I can't stand people who just talk and say like, oh, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this. Like if it's really that important about to you, do something about it. Don't just bitch on Facebook or something like, oh, uh, Canada should accept as many Syrian refugees mm-hmm. as possible. Like that's noble. Now follow through. Open up your home to them. Yeah. Open up your wallet. It's, it's right. nice when, when someone else can do when someone else does it for you, but will yeah. you do it yourself? Yeah, step up, right? Um, I want to go back to the burnout question. <laughs> did, did taking on these responsibilities at any point lead to a place where you just had to kind of stop? Yeah, yeah. So the burnout part was, it was uh, it's like a perfect storm. So my understanding is like the most stressful periods of your life are divorce. So I was getting divorced at the time. Oh, starting a new business. Very stressful thing to do. What else was I doing? Oh, selling your home and moving. Very stressful thing to do. So I was doing these all these three things. Like divorce and selling and your what? home to come together. Oh, yeah, yeah, Well, thankfully, I didn't have kids at the time. Right? Uh, but that would that would, that would have been a huge backbreaker, even though I broke my back, essentially. Figuratively. Not literally. Uh, and, yeah, so running around, having a day job, having a night job, <laughs> having a weekend job, divorce, selling off everything. Uh, moving, all those things. Having not only just moving, but it was like a hundred thousand dollar renovation job <laughs> <laughs> that took like nine months or something. Something That's ridiculous. The, that is really the perfect storm. That's like a perfect yeah. hell. Yeah, yeah. And I've always been someone who just lived by their limits, uh, just not knowing better, not having better guidance. Like you, like forever. You're just right at the max. Yeah, just right at the max. But even as a kid, just like not getting enough sleep. Right, as an example, mm-hmm. not having a good diet because if you're not taught you don't really know what a good diet is right so i could have avoided burnout just by having better sleep probably not going crossfit four times a week and 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 like like today that was hard right but i used to push myself until i was on my on the floor (laughs) (laughs) like red like redlining it yeah yeah like redline it and like yeah finish the workout on your back on the floor staring at the ceiling <laughs> that's how i used to finish every workout uh so so how, you know, how did that how did that play out uh the actual burnout so then it then how what how it f- manifested the 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 burnout was uh i came down with shingles when i was 32 or 33 years old it was funny because i i've lived with the eczema all my life and that's why i thought it was when i showed it to my dad Who's a who's a family? Who's a GP? He's a general practitioner, and he says that ain't that ain't eczema. <laughs> you have shingles. So I was lucky because I was able to see a doctor within 24 hours of showing symptoms. So I was on a medication right away because I think I forget how long shingles usually last, but I was on medication right away. So it was only like a week that I had to deal with symptoms. And you feel like that's you know part of it was from the stress and from the oh every every medical person I spoke to is like what's wrong with you. <laughs> Shingles, I've had chicken pox before. Yeah. Uh, so shingles usually doesn't occur until, until like people are like 70 years plus, like weakened immune systems. Oh my God. Right? I'm 32, 33, 34 years old and I train and I'm trim and yeah. I'm young. So these things don't happen. Right? And I have the scars on my face to prove. And then shingles is like, like the entire right side of my face just ballooned up and then my eyes, my eye was like shut and I could barely see on my left eye. So even when you're on the couch for like a week, you can barely watch TV. Yeah. Did you treat that as a wake-up call? Sorta. Yeah. Yeah. I still walk the edge. I still walk the edge all the time. 
but I'm much better now. And what did you What did you learn from that? Uh, I don't know. I tried to work less, but you can't just work less. You, you got to methodically everything set is it up. up. My life now is more about trying to be optimized in almost every area. So for my health, it's like trying to eat better. I fast now. <laughs> I never thought I would do that. Uh, I try to consistently get eight, hour, eight hours of sleep or more. Uh, I always wanted to do more yoga and meditation, but I just don't have the time for it. <laughs> but yeah, just like chill out. Don't push so hard. So I don't I don't push as hard when I'm at the gym like I used to. Mm-hmm. Just have a better diet, sleep. Yeah, sleep is totally underrated. What What are your suggestions for people who are in those positions? And it might not be the exact scenario, mm-hmm. but uh, they push themselves so hard, mm-hmm. like they demand so much of themselves, and because they they want to realize their potential, right, right. but um, they're headed down that path. Like, what what would you say to them? Uh, like walking the edge. I think everyone has to do it because you're not going to get ahead without pushing that edge. Uh, so I've pushed that edge forever. Um, so what I would do back, do different is make sure I got the sleep I needed and just say no to more because I was, I didn't have kids at the time. So I'm sure I was drinking more and more social things. So just say no more often, mm-hmm. more time for, for rest. Uh, and I probably could have sustained that work level and also probably gotten through it. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's no such thing when you're building something, there's no such thing as balance. Yeah. You gotta push hard. And I, I still I push pretty hard. The, I do not believe in balance either. I think people are, you know, seeking their edge. Actually, yeah. I'm, like the the, ed, the edge is where you feel like yeah. you're alive. Yeah, but it, it's difficult. Like for like jujitsu, for example, uh, I train with a lot of new people, like with less than two years and less. And everyone, like we're all guys, so I think the challenge is that we we train with our egos. Uh, jujitsu, though, is actually a lot of wear and tear if you don't take it easy. So I've played that edge and now my understanding is I need to relax more, mm-hmm. go at like 60, 70% okay. in order to be able to train until I'm 90. For longevity. Yeah. 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 Cause, uh, cause if I continue, if I continue working, playing hard at jujitsu, I, I won't last. What's been your edge recently? Has there been any, uh, breakdowns in the last 12 months, like any low lights? Right. Uh, well, the market was hard on us after the, uh, liberal fair housing plan, housing fairness plan. I always mix up the order of the words, but ever since then, business hasn't been nearly as good from the from the um, from the realtor coaching side of the business. Uh, just volume's been down. Uh, How do you face those kinds of challenges when you're not? So it coincided with some promotions that I, I, I had made within, because we're all. We're all taught that, you know, to grow a business, you need to hire, you need to delegate, you need to outsource, all those sorts of things. Uh, but something I've learned in the past six months is uh, I don't think I'm anyone special. I mention it all the time in my podcast. I'm no one special. I just put the time in. Uh, but apparently that's a competitive advantage because I'm willing to put the time in to learn things, to practice things. Uh, I, I'm apparently a better trainer and a coach to people. So I haven't. So I cannot delegate coaching as much of my team as I wanted to. So I took that back over and, and immediate results for two of my people who, who are full time. They, they made the most money they ever made in a month. Wow. Yeah. So you go to like, like analyze and assess mode Yeah. when, yeah. when things aren't going the way as yeah. planned or, or 
expected? What is your methodology? Like, or is there a set of questions that you ask yourself that we can use? I just look at stats and then the whole, the whole inspect what you expect. So I started just listening in on calls, on coaching calls, and and it wasn't where I wanted to be. So then the intention was, okay, I'll lead the call so that you guys can understand how I want it done. Um, and then the feedback was, oh, we don't do, we didn't do this stuff before. Oh, we can't do that because <laughs> this is how I was taught to try, how to coach. This is how I was coached. Yeah. So this is how. I just coach people. And I'm like pushing people or yelling people. The, the best coaching I heard was someone, someone told me, someone told me their coach or mentor, or their, their manager said, Oh, just do the deal. Do the deal. What's wrong with you? Just do the deal. Just do the deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best advice. Whereas, whereas I'm like more tactical, right? Uh, so what, like, where are your challenges? Like walk me through the, the deal. What, like where, like like what were your conversations like? What were the what were the objections your buyer had? Whatever, right? Let's go through it in detail. Like, okay, this is how it, I would that's how it, I would address it this way, right? So you do like an audit type of uh, type of methodology. Like you look at end to end. Okay, let's listen on the calls. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are the conversations? Yeah. Let's go through the whole process. What happened with mm-hmm. this deal with this client or whatever? Mm-hmm. Then you start seeing, okay, this is where the support is needed. This is where. Yeah. And so then I had to take that role back mm-hmm. of the more direct coaching of my team one-on-one. Do you get stressed out when, when uh, there's challenges or you just go straight to like problem solving? No, deal with it. What's the point you of being stressed? Just go straight to deal with it. Yeah. I, I'm not naturally, no, I'm naturally a stressed person because <laughs> you, you can see it next well, to you because you're young. But... Uh, the salt and pepper action is, yeah. is coming in. I probably have more gray hair than my dad. It suits you, man. My dad's almost 70. I pretty much, I have more gray hair than he does. I'm pretty sure. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I have anything to compare it to if I'm a stressful person or not. Yeah. But my mind is a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're after it. Yeah. Yeah. If I have a moment, I'm thinking about something mm-hmm. in terms of like, how can we be better? But it's not always business. It could be family. Like how could I parent better? How can I jujitsu better? How can I train better? How can I eat better? How can business be better? Or I'll listen to an audio book. Yeah. Right? It'll just like yeah, like even driving to meet you at the gym. Like I felt like an audiobook. So I'm listening I'm listening about the death of expertise. Death of expertise. I think that's what it's called, yeah. I'm listening to the one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's sapiens. Nice. Like we're in the middle of a couple of couple yeah. of different books, but um, one thing's good. I would love to switch gears and find out what is your, like, what, in what way do you see your, like, your, your legacy, like, what you're, what you're growing? Because, I mean, if you look from the outside, Orwin's got the podcast, uh, monthly meetups, mm-hmm. uh, mastermind, mm-hmm. the, like, you have, you're, you're a realtor, you have a team, you have investments, mm-hmm. you have a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know, like, I mean, kind of, you know, like the step by step, like what's, in what way are you strategizing kind of like the next 20 or 30 years? Because I, I find that for so many of us, we might be like so focused on the here and now, mm-hmm. maybe like, cause we're early, like a lot of people who listen are kind of early stage entrepreneurs. Um, also like maybe they already have a job and they're, they're just got a side hustle going on. They're trying to grow that. So I'd love to know, like, for you, like, long-term thinking, how do you approach your stuff? 
Not that much. <laughs> That's so hard to believe because you're methodical. Yep, my, my daily practice is methodical. Yeah. As in, uh, I've always know what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, as in, like, okay. my whiteboard has a list of things I need to be doing that are that are value adds to the business for middle, long term. And then you always, it's not hard to know what your immediate, like, what needs to be done immediately. And then uh, just through research and masterminds and mentors of mine, I know what it needs to be done for the long term. Um, so I always know what I need to be doing. And that's on a daily basis, right? So my thing is, yeah, I have a vision board, but it doesn't go that reach out that far. Yeah. Uh, I have goals written down that I can that I read every morning. Uh, but to me, it's about having daily good daily habits. Like the gym is a good a good example. You make it to the gym every day. You're gonna have all the longevity things that you want in the future. <laughs> so you're so what I'm hearing is the you know the way you've built and structured your business, your mm-hmm. investments, the mm-hmm. things that you do is it's like. First of all, to allow you to have these daily habits, like have the time to do these things that like not only are just for like performance and production for the mm-hmm. business, but for your own, mm-hmm. you know, physical well-being, mm-hmm. time with your family. Yeah. But everything's a growth thing as well. Because you asked me about like my legacy and all those sorts of things. I don't know. Right. Uh, well, it'll, it'll depend on what opportunities presented to me. Right. Like off. I don't even want to talk about it, like off the top of my head what my legacy will be, but uh, you know we're <laughs> it always it's always to me uh, a path of growth. Uh, I pick up something something new, so that's something that uh, Nick Radza told me was uh, he owns this brokerage that we're in this building this business that we're working out of Rockstar Realty Rockstar Real Estate yeah uh, he said. Uh, he was making fun of me because I gave a presentation and I was showing uh, a picture of me doing handstand push-ups. He's like, oh, <laughs> take that down. Like, <laughs> and he did it in front of everybody. He's mic'd up, right? Wow. And then and then, it, uh, and then I chirped him back. I said, you're the one that introduced me to CrossFit, so this is your fault. Oh. <laughs> and then afterwards, we were talking about it, laughing. Because I, I, I don't mind being chirped. I thought it was funny. Uh, he said, Nick said to me, all right someone gives you advice you take action on it right away versus that you you know you've been a coach you yeah. give a lot of people lots of i'm sure you've given people a million dollar advice all the time and they do nothing with it that and that's the one thing that like i see from you is that you take something yeah. and you run with it yeah. like, you yeah. just you just go yeah because the podcast started out of my coach pushing me for a radio show and so we researched oh. doing a radio show there were no good uh it was either crazy expensive like crazy expensive or, or it just didn't make sense. I don't think the air times made sense. You know, like seven, 6 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> who's, your, who's your audience? Yeah. Right? Like, Insomniacs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're the, if they're the best real estate investors. Uh, so that, that's how the podcast came about. And then tested the podcast. Tim Ferriss and um, Pat Flynn talked about, I guess, so just Pat Flynn has a brilliant po- uh, YouTube series, six-episode six series on how to get it done. So watch that. Within a week, podcast started podcasting. Tim Ferriss talked about have six, six episodes recorded as your test and then mm. release them solely, right? So then, yeah, did that. And then just monitor the stats, right? And it worked. So what keep you, running with it. What do you think contributes to people's uh, paralysis? Or like this, this inability to take action? It's not motivated. 
which is fine. You don't think they're motivated enough? Like which your is fine. Because you talk to inv- like new new time, new investors, investors, mm-hmm. um, like co- you're coaching people as well. Like mm-hmm. you you find that there's just this, there's a lack of motivation. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving a good example. I know so many people who have been crazy successful who came from nothing. Yeah. Who came from worse than nothing. <laughs> who came from like alcoholic, abusive parents, and then they built themselves up. Versus, I know people. You know, people I went to school with, you know, so their family incomes are like 200 grand. They have no interest in investing, right? They make 200 grand. They may have a pension. So that, that's pretty good, right? Maybe they have a pension. So they're, they're, they're good with that, right? They're just not interested in more, right? They want to watch their hockey. They want to drink their beer. They want to sit on the couch. It's fine. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But then there's a certain breed of people. I mean, people who listen to your podcast, people who are listening to this podcast, they're reaching for more. Yeah. Like they're seeking something else. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that I'm all about real estate. I'm all about back to when I was 25, I'm trying to get ahead. Yeah. How do I get ahead? Right? I tried stocks, tried bonds, tried off, tried day trading. None of, this, none of that worked out for me. <laughs> right. Right. Tell us about real estate. So, like, you didn't get ahead in those in those arenas. Right. Um, some people who are listening might not have any experience um, with real estate or what right. you know what it would look like, right. um, or and why. Right. So I started. So I started stock investing because that's easy. I think that's why everyone invests in financial markets. It's so easy. Quick. Quick. You can get in. Yeah, within half an hour, you can start trading. Right. <laughs> Anyone can do it. All you need is an internet connection. So uh, so I thought I was smart. I'm a business school graduate. I know how to read balance sheets and income statements and stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I can I can, I can, can beat the market. I know, I know the theory says you can't beat the market. You're smarter than the market? Yeah. yeah. You, you know. Oh, my God. Well, everyone, people invest in the market. You were a different man back then. Very different. Very different. I'm much lazier now. But anyways, uh, so I, uh, I was focused on small caps. Uh, because in theory, they usually outperform over the long term, right? And, but I remember the year was uh, around 2006, right? So I had a bunch of small caps, you know, financial crisis hits, mm. you know. Bad timing. Uh, uh, Bear Stearns goes under. Uh, what was the, what was the, t- uh, the, the energy company? Uh, that's kicked it all off. I can't, I can't even remember. Oh, jeez. Oh, that bothers me now. Remember the energy company that was cooking the books? They they tore down the market, and the whole bubble that bubble burst, the financial crisis burst, and the market whole mortgage issue in the states. That was hilarious. That was a big blindside for all of us. And at the time, I had real estate as well, so we were acquiring real estate around 05, 06. Uh So slot stocks got massacred. I had one stock even delisted. My mark, my average was like down like forty percent across the portfolio, maybe sixty. Wow. Right. So. So like, oh, this isn't working. Just annihilated. <laughs> but we had real estate, and what happened was uh, credit crisis. So no mortgages, but life still happens. People, so you can't get a mortgage. Yeah, so I'm going to rent. So our rents were going up, <laughs> even during this uh, during during this recession. Our rents were going up. <laughs> so it clicked. Yeah, it's like, wow, this is working well. This real estate thing works well. Maybe we should focus more attention on it, right? Since the stock thing, I don't even want to look at. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just by. Uh, just through trial and error of testing out many things of making money to to then become reliant and heavily invest in real estate. What's what are the best next steps for somebody you would you know if you if they're looking to 
get into the market. They want to buy their first investment property. Yeah. Best thing to do, go talk to someone who has real estate. Talk to anyone. Yeah. Preferably talk to someone who's doing well. <laughs> yeah, you're all about asking other people. What's that? You're, you're asking for support from other people. Uh, like you started with the charities, like, hey, can you help? And like you started with that. Like you kind of you kind of just constantly. The charity thing was more, I, I usually, I went back to like Roger. So he was my property manager and I was referring him a lot of business. So he owed me favors. <laughs> he owed you. He, I demand reciprocity. <laughs> He wanted to do this too. He's a yeah. massive heart guy. Yeah. But I went to a lot of my clients who made who I knew made a lot of money that I helped them make a lot of money. Because I asked them for donations. <laughs> Another one. Another. Yeah. Right? If you need help, who are you gonna to go to? Yeah. Right? It's true. Like you, I know people, you have money. We've gotten value from from you and, Yeah. So and I was calling in favors. They're they're enrolled in what you're creating. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But for someone to get started really investing in real estate, highly recommend you get surround yourself with other people that are doing real estate because i even do it today like anyone who follows me on social media knows i'm often hanging out with guys like well people we are at the gym today yeah we're at, we're at the gym with mike <laughs> yeah who's been the number one guy at rockstar for for eternity we're there with charles wall <laughs> who's killing it yeah with his developments i'm hanging with andy tran i gotta get him on yeah oh yeah come from nothing 100%. used to live in his car Holy come from nothing smokes. yeah used to come from nothing right uh, Tom Carazza, you know, from zero to profit 500 business for, you know, two years, probably going to be three years soon. You know, that's, these so are that's a big deal, with. like to surround yourself. So, yeah, it's huge because it expands your context. Like, for example, I was, I was talking to Luke Weirot. So, you know, Luke, yeah, right? yeah, I remember yeah. Luke. So, uh, Luke's a developer and he's building like 30 unit apartment buildings, right? And I was talking to him about the development stuff I was talking to you about earlier. You know, I just want to buy, I'm trying to buy like, you know, one to four properties and try to build some townhouses. And he said, oh, you should buy on busier streets because then the city will be more uh, conducive to you bringing, building like six stories or more. And he, what did I think about it? If I'm going to buy a property, I'm going to buy one that I can build something bigger on. Yeah, but like the lens that he sees the world exactly. is just a little bit different. Exactly. Exactly. And then always be trying to move up, right? And then I'm trying to always have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> so, so on Friday, this past Friday, we had an escape room event. So I'm going with Charles Waugh, who's a very successful developer, with Andy Tran. And so anyone who wants to renovate a home, nobody knows that stuff better than Andy. Especially with navigating the city, you want to do like a basement suite or an accessory home or top-ups and those sorts of things. And with Evelyn, my client... Uh, she's my client, and she owns ten properties. Lovely person to be around. And we invited the, the, we invited some city officials as well, <laughs> right? Try to have a cake and eat it too. Try yeah, to have so a fun, you, do fun, do something. Oh well, yeah, it's, it's like the CrossFit, right? Like you're you're getting an activity yeah. in, yeah. and like you get to hang out with really cool people. Yeah. Yeah. You do an escape room. You put people together. Yeah. So there's like you're hitting two birds with one stone. Trying to hit many birds with one stone. Yeah, multiple. Because my wife comes across fit and come, she came to the escape room too, so it's like not quite a date event, but we're spending more time together. That's a great way for people to think, you know, like turn your turn your coffee dates into hey, let's go yeah. do a workout together. That's kind of what I've yeah. I've been really really into is making sure that you know we're getting some activity in, yeah. like outside, especially when mm -hmm. it's summer out. Mm -hmm. um, well, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see investors make? You work with a ton of them. Mm. Bad advice. <laughs> from wherever they're getting it yeah just just listen to the, the worst 
so the death of expertise the book i'm I'm listening to right now they talk about how uh so they did a (laughs) they one of the one of the new york newspapers did a survey of americans asking this is back in 2015 the question was around uh should the u.s intervene with russia because they're invading um ukraine part of ukraine um for the country I'm, this is embarrassing i'm so <laughs> this is embarrassing but whatever so crimea crimea is that right crimea crimea yeah let's go with that i'm really sorry if i offend anybody <laughs> see this is my I'm podcast i've been googling right I'm now not, i'm not good with uh, with world events like that but. I think it's crimea. but what okay so the u.s is is sorry the russia is invading uh an eastern european country uh and the question is to survey to Americans, should the U.S. intervene with military intervention, right? And then the, and then the answers vary, right? This is a really difficult question, incredibly difficult question. Anyone who remembers the Cold War, remembers like the Cuban Missile Crisis, how close the world was to nuclear war, yeah. right? So you're talking about the U.S., the world's largest superpower, against a country with lots of nukes, whose, whose military policy is nuclear strike first, whatever it is, right? They have lots of nukes. So this is not an easy decision, right? And so answers vary. Uh, so they asked people, a lot, "Should we should we respond?" Whatever. And then the next question was, "Where is Ukraine?" <laughs> and then the the median response was off by eighteen hundred miles. Oh my god! The median, so the most common response is off by eighteen hundred miles. And to quantify for you listeners what 1800 miles is that's the distance from toronto to the mexican border oh my god that was so they have no so the median response is there's no no idea no sense of it or was and what the but the survey found was the the more wrong the respondent was the more they thought they should intervene so the more extreme answer that's what they found as a correlation the more the extreme the answer was from coming from people who thought the least they had the least the, the least not they like come on ukraine like if they're <laughs> invading it's probably a neighboring country yeah possibly a former u.s uh, former ussr country kind of makes sense so the people who thought that ukraine was in australia or south america were the ones who thought we should we should have the most military intervention so going back to the advice thing uh there's a chance that the most extreme advice you're getting about real estate investing, often like the negativity things about it, all yes. oh, the tenants going to trash your place, or oh, the students are going to have keg parties. The bubble's going to burst. The bubble's going to burst. Thank you. That's a good one. Uh, often those are the least qualified opinions. So, And are they from investors? And like, they from do investors? they own property? Right? I own property through the, the worst recession in Canada since the Great Depression. Right. So I can talk to that experience. I'm very comfortable going through another recession because I know my properties will be rented. So there's a lot of uh, real estate investment uh, education out there, mm-hmm. books, courses, workshops, uh, meetings, and things like that. Is there mm-hmm. anything that you see as really missing in that space? Like uh, what's not What's not being talked about? What's the conversation that's not being had that needs to be had? I feel because the real estate market's done so well, so many people have entered this entered this space. So I think the first thing is there's probably a lot of people who say they're qualified to talk to the subject who probably aren't. And there's a lot of people who are paying a lot of money 
for coaching and courses that they probably don't need to be. Mm. Uh, for example, I'll give you a good example. I know someone uh, who came to me and my wife just in a casual conversation. They were taking some sort of course that was originally from the U.S. And their the first step they wanted to do as an investor was to open uh, five corporations. What? Don't even open own one investment property yet. I want to open five corporations. That pisses me off. Do you know how expensive that is? Not even just a startup, but how expensive that would be to unwind. Right? So, like, what if he'd followed through? <laughs> Jesus. Right? <laughs> so, like, advice, people are paying money for receiving that kind of advice. And I know someone, I remember, uh, you probably never met them, but I remember Ray members, again, they, were, they had a U.S.-based coach. They bought a property in the States. They were all gung-ho. They were going to grow this thing. People don't understand that this is still business. You still have to be good at business to be successful investing in real estate. You have to have some level, right? Uh, for example, but in this instance, they wanted to be massive, right? They wanted to own hundreds of doors. Uh, but you get the, the sense in them that, I don't know if people are going to trust you with their money, right? They weren't bad people. It's just I didn't get the sense that they, uh, you know, being around, spending around time around a lot of winners, you kind of know who a winner is. Yeah, you get the sense. Yeah. Whereas these people, these people, like for example, one of them was a part-time IT professional. Like, why aren't you full-time? If you're talented, you'd be full-time, right? You're not young. You're not new at this. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. But if you're, if you're talented, you would at least be full-time. So you don't have that base covered. You think people are going to hand you over millions of dollars and do give you massive vendor take-back mortgages on 100 unit apartment buildings? Probably not. Not now. Probably not. <laughs> right? But then they were they were going gangbusters, playing for heavily for coaching. They they had property in um, like all over the place, like Tennessee or something like that, like some sort of like decently well-known u.s state <laughs> wow. so be very very weary guys be very yeah. mindful yeah. be mindful and do your homework i see too many people people paying a lot of money in annual fees like you know two years of annual, annual fees could be a down payment on a property mm-hmm. i think you should just buy the property instead yeah. the, the best lesson is to actually go through the process of buying your house i think so buying your investment because when i evaluated going back to school for an mba I was thinking, I think I'd be better off just buying a house than a yeah. house. So I'm not talking and bad. time-wise too, right? Like, Yeah, because I find... Not money. Is, yeah, there's, there's the time of taking these courses, and MBA would be it'd be 12 months of not having income. Mm-hmm. Right? It's time away from everything that you've built. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not dissing MBA. I'm just, I already have my honors, so I, it wasn't really necessary for me to do more of the same. Uh, but yeah. Surround yourself with others. It's not hard to find good people. Um, yeah, find and then the simplest advice for someone to get started is find someone you align with. You know, if you're, I don't think I need to add to that. <laughs> yeah, just find find someone, find someone you align with, with. Period. That invests and invest like they do, and ask if you use all their contacts. Yeah, my my coach always says duplicate before you generate. Yeah. Like if it's already proven, yeah. you know, co- do the copycat thing, like follow what they just did. Yeah. And then as soon as you get some experience, you start getting a little bit of freedom mm-hmm. to kind of explore other ideas. But first you kind of get, you, you got to get the muscle memory right. 
mm-hmm. first, and then you can kind of go outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. HGTV is not real. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got a couple more questions. Sure, sure, sure. Before we wrap up, sure. Um, I would love to know what is the what would you say is the most important question that you've asked yourself in the last twelve months? Can I do better? <laughs> How can I do better? Yeah. It's a daily question. Okay. Uh, I, I always reevaluate what I'm doing. How often? All the time. So it's, there's no like set time. It's just like you're constantly. Yeah. If something's not right. Right. Like say say you have like a say a tenant doesn't pay rent. Oh, should I sell the property? <laughs> Is real estate a good investment? <laughs> but it's, you it's really still. Well, yeah. Why not? But then cool. you still go through the full analysis, right? Oh well, the property has gone up three thousand dollars over last month. Yeah, it's gone up, you know, it's gone up sixty grand in a year. Yeah, maybe I can afford to keep it. Yeah, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth it. Right? <laughs> What's the best thing that you stopped, and the best <sighs> thing that you started? Stopped. Stopped is a good one. Uh, we canceled cable. Yes. Yeah. That that yeah. TV was killing my sleep. Yeah. Is that like the decompress thing at the end of the day? Like just, yeah. Okay, let's just. Know, yeah, like watching Leafs or watching Raptors or watching TSN, getting the sports highlights and watching okay, news, well. watching a comedy show, catching up on like old Seinfeld, whatever, then just cut it off. What's the best thing you started? Started. I don't know. Podcast was good, but that was a while ago now. Started. Oh, other thing I got rid of. I got I took Facebook off my phone. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Less Facebook too. I am obsessive with that. Because the, the, my death of expertise, like the Ukrainian example, when you see extreme stuff on like Facebook, the internet, that's the, the, one of the biggest downfalls of social media and the internet. You get unqualified opinions, often sharing unqualified facts. <laughs> yeah, so when you're reading it and you read it over and over again, yeah. it, start, it starts to mess with your, yeah. with, your, with your own brain. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got rid of that. What about start? Anything that you've begun, that you've picked up? I want to start, I haven't done this yet, but I want okay. to start dating my kids. It's just like a, you know, an evening or an afternoon, just one-on-one with each kid. Yeah, like Jim Shield style, like, uh, Was he the like one, one-on-one time, yeah, family yeah, board yeah. meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I want to do that. I like, the, yeah. I like that idea. I want to start doing that. So it's Beautiful. just, it just comes down to me blocking the time. But, you know, I'm taking, I'm probably going to take Friday off to go Center Island with my, my mom and my kids. So not quite a date, but that's, you know, my, my my boss allows me to do that to take a day off from once in a while, so I cancel a few appointments and just go. What is something that you believe that other people think is crazy? I think generally people don't believe they're capable of more, mm. so I think that's nuts. Ah, because yeah. I've had people tell me, I've had friends tell me. Well, we can't invest in real estate because we're not talented like you. Like, we ain't talented. Yeah, it was work. It was skill. It was yeah. a skill that was built, had to be developed. And even still, like, I mean, you you, you seem like you're always coming from the beginner mindset. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Over nothing. Like, we're just yeah. starting from zero again. I don't know nothing. Yeah. And I was, like we were talking today over lunch, talking about joint ventures. Because, honestly, like, for example, if, if you're my client, I, if I don't have an answer... And that's the thing that I would, that's something that I always try to work on. I always want the buck to stop with me, right? I, I think anyone who can be the ultimate problem solver will always be successful. So I've always worked hard to that the buck stops with me. Um, 
But if it doesn't, if I need to ask someone else a question, do you really think I can't find the answer within three phone calls? Mm -hmm. Right. I know enough people that people will answer the phone when I call or I'll pay for them to answer the phone. <laughs> like yeah. a lawyer or accountant, yes. those sorts of things. And I'll get you the answer. Do you need more than that? Right? Well, my tenant didn't pay rent. Oh, no problem. I call her legal. Or, hey, uh, my window's broken. Or, we had the windstorm. Shingles blew off. Oh, fine. Here's my handyman. Right? Nothing's the end of the world. Everything can be resolved. Yeah. So we can keep our. Like, you're always willing to tap forward. into people uh, as, as the resources yes. that they are. Yeah. Yeah. You're also willing to be a resource yourself. Yes. I prefer that other people be resources because yeah. time is finite. What would you say, um, so I'm going to ask my last question, and then I'm going to you know, ask also where we can find you or you know, what you're excited about that we can look forward to. But my question before that is, what are two or three action items? We listen to this podcast, we listen to your story, like incredible insights. What would you say are the three best things that people could do in the next 24 hours? Cancel cable. We can watch. <laughs> Number one, cancel your cable. <laughs> and I have nothing to do from benefiting from that. Yeah. Uh, good chance that you'll sleep earlier. You'll talk to your spouse more. Kids. <laughs> Their kids. You might think about your hourly rate. Yeah. You'll create more space for yourself. Yeah. And again, sleep is totally underrated. I used to always try to get by on six hours sleep. Even when I had a day job, I always try to get back and get by on six hours sleep. But nah, it's not sufficient. There are, it's fine for some people. Yeah. But, uh, for short sprints, I think. Like, sure. Even still, but not over, for me. But long, time, long term. Not for me. You, you went to the training session today. Could you imagine not getting enough sleep no. now? I'm going to probably sleep like a baby tonight. What's yeah. yeah. number two? Number two. Oh, man. So where are your listeners from? Okay, so if your listeners are from the Golden Horseshoe area or if they're looking to invest in real estate, the way I put it simply is this is how I think about real estate investing. Do I want to pay today's prices or do I want to pay tomorrow's prices? <laughs> that hurts. I'm just cheap, right? I'm a frugal person. You're killing me. i got to get back in the market. I'm a frugal person. Uh, Jacob Brandy said, said uh, like, this is an open book test. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, how to podcast? Open book test. Where the economy is going? Open book test. Right? Oh, that's brutal. This is... Here's some simple <laughs> statistics that everyone can understand. Ontario grew by 190,000 people last year, 2017. Ministry of Finance of Ontario. Go look it up yourself. Toronto Star article published that 700,000 millennials want to leave home and enter the market over the next 10 years. Yeah, I heard you say that on one of your podcast episodes. It was like, right. holy smokes. Simple there's statistics. Not, there's not even enough. Right? So... 190 new Ontarians, 70,000 on average per or per year. Millennials want to enter the market, so that's about two, uh, two, 260,000. Average Ontario household is 2.7. Just to make that math difficult, let's use it. Let's make it simple. Call it 100,000 new households need to be created every year. Uh, I have the article somewhere. Um, I talk about. Uh, whatever new housing starts for the for gta is fifty seven thousand units right so you have a hunt demand for a hundred thousand fifty seven units thousands units are created every year uh, rob ford said no one's going to develop the green belt absolutely not going to happen 
keep in mind the 57,000 units, probably about 26,000 of them are one-bedroom apartments. Not oh. everyone wants one-bedroom apartments. Uh, so, so, like, this isn't this real is estate math. investing. Yeah, this is just, like, looking at the numbers and yeah. the basic reality. People are coming in and people are, like, moving out of mommy and daddy's house. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be a demand. Simple like, math. But, so, the second one was... Do you want to buy today's prices? Or pay tomorrow's prices. Or pay for tomorrow's prices. What's the last what's the third one? Third one? Yeah, third one? You don't have to have a third one. Man, you need to give me more time for Do CrossFit. No. <laughs> like for me it's efficient. Uh like look at what I practice. I practice CrossFit and I practice jujitsu. You know? Yeah. You watched the early UFCs. Yeah. Who won? Yeah. Who won? Right? Gracie. Uh, and look who we beat. I know. Absolute monsters. Yeah. Who are younger. Faster, ben stronger. Yeah. He was a monster, a world class wrestler who had over, like almost a hundred pounds on him, and he and he lost. Scary to a guy who was one hundred and seventy pounds. Scary, right? <laughs> because the horse is going to break his arm, right? That's why I train jujitsu. It's efficient, and uh, I don't know if you're trained in like boxing or muay thai. Muay thai. How many times did someone hit you? Oh my god, I don't like that. Yeah, exactly. I don't like. I don't like getting hit. I don't like getting hit. I don't feel like getting my bell rung. Um, no. I don't, the, the high impact. I'm just like, you know, no. I don't know if I'm gonna live long. Exactly. My joints are gonna live long. But yeah. the, but it seems like jujitsu, you can get hurt, but you're probably, you know, if you can see people who are practicing at, they're, they're rolling around, 60, 70 years old. That's definitely something I got. I want to get into. Yeah. yeah. Well, is I that just, something that you want that that you would say for people like find like an activity? Oh, fine. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Uh, and you don't have to do CrossFit or Jiu-Jitsu. I would say if you do do those things, just like scale down the ego. Ask your partner to take it easy on you if you do Jiu-Jitsu. Because uh, then usually people are pretty pretty yeah. polite about that. I always say I'm an old man because I am. <laughs> take it easy. Uh, I'm often injured. <laughs> <laughs> but my injuries are minor compared to what I see like runners go through. Yeah. Um, oh, and then like, on the health and fitness side. I say just whatever it is you enjoy. If it's swimming, if it's badminton, if it's gardening, just do it. Find it and do it. Yeah, you don't, like, I'm a pragmatist. That's why I choose what's efficient. You don't have to be like that. You enjoy marathon running, go ahead. Yeah. Like, just do something. Keep things moving. Making more money. Yeah, that, that, that whole thing about money is a source of all evil. It is for many people, you know, like certain people in power and, in power and government. Yeah, it's a source of evil for them. Uh, but Very I think I'm a living example that money is not a source of evil for myself. It's, it's a tool. It's it is a tool, tool to do good. It's a resource, and yeah. well, like I'd rather have it in the hands of someone like you, yeah. who can multiply and, ex- and exponentially multiply right. the good of it. Right. And if your listener is a good person, go make more money so and you can more help good. more people. Amazing. Tell us about what you're excited about, how we can get involved in what you're doing, how we can follow you, what you're working on, you know, all your all your URLs, your domains, and all that. There was a viral video about this kid in rural China, and he had to walk to school, and all he had was a jacket, and it and it was and it was snowing, it, you know, it was stupid cold. We're all Canadian, we understand that. So he he arrived in school, and his hair was completely frozen, and like oh, that makes me sick, right? what would I do to just buy the kid a hat right. and then buy him gloves and then that was actually what triggered the next evolution of the Hamilton Bash Brigade uh, yeah tell us about yeah. that so like you mentioned some people weren't home uh, 
So we're scaling down the number that we do. The investment will be the same. Uh, we're budgeting somewhere around $400 a family to go wish list style. So our instructions to the school Hamilton school boards are give us your worst. Literally, those are the words. Give <laughs> us your worst. Give us your worst families. And we have this questionnaire that we just want, to, want them to fill out. Like, What do you need? Right. And we will go, our volunteers will go buy them. We'll raise the money. We'll probably need to raise, we need to raise around $2,000, $20,000 to do this. Uh, It'll be less volunteers. Less volunteers. And that was probably the challenge with what we were, how <sighs> things were growing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the, vol- the volunteers were taking more of our effort than the families. So we, so everything is just an evolution. Everything's attached yeah, to me. Yeah, next iteration of yeah. it. But I think this is going to be a beautiful. Yeah, and this is just a test to me. In my mind, this is just a test. So we're not doing any food. We'll do food if they request it, but we're not doing a large scale food like we did. Three hundred fifty families at the last event. Three hundred fifty frozen turkeys. Yeah, four trips to the grocery store to get it done. So we'll need uh, we'll need a lot fewer volunteers, but the job of the volunteer will be to do the shopping. They'll get each volunteer group will get a list, do the shopping, uh, bring receipts. We'll reimburse you the day day of the event. We're all going to meet the same school. Uh, we're going to invite the families to come visit us to come collect their to collect their stuffs. We'll have some no delivery. They come to you. Well, some won't live close by. Okay. So it's going to be optional. Okay. Yeah. But again, we're downloading a lot of responsibility. Uh, if the family can't make it, like you as the volunteer, just simply coordinate. You know, when are you going to be home? You don't even necessarily have to come the day of, right? Wow. So there's uh, a lot of streamlining that you've done. A lot of streamlining. Uh, the community part of the event will be coming together the morning of, and we'll gift wrap whatever gifts we have. And then we ask the families to come. Can you imagine the experience of you handing a child a gift? Who... Because remember, like, we asked for the worst. And th- we don't even have to ask for the worst. There's plenty of kids who never received a box gift. Have never received a box gift. Right? Wow. Right. And, and so, so that's this upcoming... This Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. HamiltonBasketBrigade.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make a donation. You can make a donation there. We're a registered charity. Um, yeah. We're, we probably won't need many more volunteers because we just we have our yeah. existing database like people like yourself. You'll get it. Uh, and this just trying to create a, create a better experience for everybody, for our volunteers, for our donors, for our, our customers, as yeah. we call them. Maximum impact. Yeah, yeah. It's Be- beautiful. Getting, and it, it was all triggered by that kid with the frozen hair. <laughs> like, we can do more. And it was also based on the feedback. Can do better. Because uh, we had some families that weren't home. We had some families that were, for, mo- for whatever reason, they didn't seem grateful. Um, some oh, that family- hurts, eh? Uh, again, it just should be some people who just can't express it yeah, or they're just yeah. too proud. That's true. That's uh, true. but then the way we're getting around that is I'm going to hand a present to a child <laughs> and, then, and they cannot, and you know, kids, they have no filters. I know. Right. And my biggest concern is actually if we were going to be able to handle this emotionally. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be so amazing. Yeah. I hope, I hope it gets filmed. I hope it gets. Yeah. We're going to invite the media. We're going to invite the media. Amazing. Yeah. And again, this is all just stuff that we learn with the media. They can shoot whatever they want, record whatever they want. Versus if we shoot it, oh, you need you need waivers. Waiver, oh, good, okay. That the waiver, they have to say it on camera that they're okay with it, and that kind of like kills everything. Oh, like Oliver, you okay receiving this gift and we're recording this? I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kills a yeah, exactly. So, so HamiltonBasketBrigade.com. Yeah, yeah. Tell us more. 
Uh, so yeah, that'll be January test. <laughs> and then, and then I actually find it funny how people ask, like, you're going to give people get rip wrapped gifts on Thanksgiving? Like, why not? Have you ever said no to a wrapped gift? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and we'll do it again for Christmas. I just sent the wrapped gift yesterday in the mail. Yeah. Like, who wouldn't love that? Yeah. Especially when you do a kid. Yeah. So we're getting back to what we originally wanted to do, which was help those who can't help themselves and mm-hmm. all and you can, who can not help themselves more than a kid that's born into poverty. So yeah. get some people some hope, have some fun doing it. So that really excites me. The podcast is pretty cool. Like awesome. Uh, yeah, I get to have a lot of conversations with uh, with people. Uh, what was the question? Oh, if someone asked me like, oh, what how many, what podcasts do you listen to? Like, I'm doing podcasts. Yeah, I'm oh. learning so much already. Yeah, from the people you're interviewing. Yeah. You think I can really, like, process everything I'm getting and, like, I'm looking, I need to get more information. That's true. true. (laughs) So I I listen to very few other people's podcasts. So Truth About Real Estate and Investing. Yeah, .ca. .ca. Truth About Real Estate Investing .ca. And that's what it is. I'm a guest on there. Yeah, you're a guest on there. Yeah, we screwed up the first one. Oh, my God. Because the, what was it? Or the mic. Yeah, yeah, we, was the second one? I think, we still, I think the audio is still there. Maybe we could salvage it at some point. No, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Okay, first. I think my mic was the bone that was bad. Yeah. And it didn't show but up we got two. I got two episodes. Yeah, you have two episodes. That's awesome. So fun, Yeah, man. you were probably the first of three. I think you were the first of three episodes. Wow. No, we only did two. We did two. I, but we had to record the second oh, one. Oh, like recording-wise. Yeah, yeah. We, we recorded three times together. Yeah. Just Technicality, one, you were one, of them is, <laughs> one of them we can't use because yeah. the audio was shot, which is unfortunate because that was you a have your conversation. Group? Yeah, we, uh, it's just leverage, and also we don't see our clients enough. Yeah, so we invite them out once a month. We meet at Sheridan College, which isn't far from URI, the lovely so Sheridan far. College on, on Trafalgar. We meet once a month uh, because this journey is lonely. Right. Anyone who's doing stuff, who's listening, I think you know this journey is lonely. Um, that's kind of like, that's what we like about these events. We all come together, people who want to get ahead in life. And, uh, we share. We try to pass on some good advice to people. And it's just good to hang out with uh, like-minded people. Awesome, man. Yeah. Brother, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, happy to. I have to, I just have to just complete this by acknowledging you. I don't know, it's hard for you to accept it, but you inspire me and I acknowledge you for just the, the sacrifice that you make every single day and all the years of sacrifice to get to where you are. Because not only being able to contribute um, as a volunteer to the Hamilton Basket Brigade, but even just, just to be a witness of just seeing like all the people who are enrolled in your vision. And I think it's really powerful uh, that I, ha- I have to acknowledge you because it's like they see themselves and how they can make an impact and they see your vision as it's part of their vision as well. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're doing is, is powerful. I think it's inspirational. I think it's like, it's really moving people and it's, I think we need more. We need more of that in the world. And I'm so grateful that I get to, to hang out with you and be your friend. Oh. I only do this show because you're a good guy. I get invited to lots of podcasts. I turn down lots of podcasts. <laughs> and and I, I think, I'm sure you realize this as well. There's there's not that many good people. I mean, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> We're going to end it like that. <laughs>
Let me I put, love it. How to put it? <laughs> we need a lot more nice people in the world. That's a mic drop. There you, there's <laughs> there's there's plenty of nice people, and there's people like you who are there to help people. And then we can always have cool conversations, right? Not because you like say these nice things about me, but like you'll push thoughts. And you'll ask me stuff that expands my mind. My mind. Hopefully, I'm able to contribute to your own business and. Oh, dude! I'm, trust me, I'm gonna be listening to this over and over <laughs> because there's so much for me to take take in as well. Like there's the, there's a lot there's a lot for sure. Yeah. So. And even though you thank me for the stuff I do, like I'm nothing without my team. Yeah. Right. And that's the importance of hanging out with people, mm-hmm. hanging out with like minded people, because yeah. like every one of my social circle has helped my charity. Yeah. Behind you, like there's a whole whack load of people. Oh yeah. Who are like helping move things forward yeah. as well, like in, yeah. in the same direction. So yeah. the charity wouldn't be possible without my well. wife, because uh, you know yeah. accounting's expensive. Yeah, big ups to Cherry. Right. My goodness, like the board the board is six people. We all contribute a lot to this charity. Our leadership team is another three people beyond that who volunteer heavily all through the year to make this happen. And then we have people we can always depend on. And that's thank you, team. Thank you, team. And, and you don't know these things are going to happen, but like we early on we rented a budget uh, a u-haul to move the groceries oh and then someone stepped up and say oh i have a cabinet making business we'll use my truck it's bigger oh my god i can drive it yeah it's free right (laughs) people just keep stepping out of the woodwork to help yeah so even though i made that not so nice thing comment about nice people there are a lot of nice people oh yeah like everyone who just comes out of the woodwork to help with the charity and donate because a lot of our biggest donators, like, we didn't know they would be. They just saw what we're up to. And, like, you just catalyzed them. They, they, you know, we can't. We try to come from a good place. We try to run a charity that's everything we don't want about other charities. Uh, for example, we have, like, almost no overhead. <laughs> yeah. Everything's going straight to yeah. the end. Yeah. The end user. We have some small expenses. Like, we sometimes have to buy, like, box cutters or yeah, you need some cardboard stuff. boxes and packing tape. But, like, no salaries or anything like that. It's amazing, man. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing. It's a true honor to have you on now. It's just my place in the world, and I just feel like I'm doing the job I was put on this planet for. Hey, guys, it's Oliver again. Before you take off, if you're looking for all of the links and resources and show notes, you can go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Huge shout out to Marlon Manalise for setting all of that up and helping facilitate the release of each episode. If you guys want to connect with me, I am fairly active on Instagram or as some people are calling, The Gram. You can find me just my name. It's at Oliver Manalise. I share a ton of posts about what's happening in my life, about love, about my insights around leadership. So as well, if you have any feedback or suggestions about the show, please hit me up with a DM on Instagram. And I think that's all. It's a, tr- it's a true honor to have you here as a listener. Thank you so much for your support. I hope to see you next time.